Hey, one more thing before you go. In this episode, we're going to learn what burnout is and recover from the effects of it and manage it with a very unique wellness and self-care program. I'm your host, Michael Hirsch, and this is That Thing About Surviving Burnout. My guest in this episode is Dr. Kate Steiner. She's a burnout coach, the founder and CEO of Lift Wellness Consulting. She helps her clients to recover from burnout through self-reflective development plan that addresses all areas of wellness. She earned a master's of counseling degree and a PhD in counselor education and supervision. Her coaching and consultation practice is grounded in the research-backed Steiner Self-Reflection Sustainability Wellness Model, which we're going to talk about, and has been a researcher and wellness and burnout coach for almost 20 years. She's an author and has been widely published on this topic. Welcome to the show, Dr. Steiner. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. You know, it's been quite a journey where you've come from and where you're at now. Where'd you grow up? So I grew up in the state of Wyoming. I grew up in Casper, Wyoming. So a very rural area, but loved the mountains growing up, was an avid skier growing up and, you know, learned to survive winter. Winter. Yeah, I, <laughs> that's one thing down in Arizona. I'm from Colorado originally. So <laughs> I, I used to live up in Woodland Park, which is 8,500 feet up. Yep. And now I'm like I'm almost familiar. sea level. <laughs> yeah, it's I, I don't miss the snow. I do miss skiing though. Yes. Did you go to university there? Where'd you go to I university? did, yeah. So my bachelor's and my PhD are from the University of Wyoming. And then my master's degree is from Idaho State. So I kind of stayed in the the Rocky Mountain region for for my a good portion of the adult life. I also worked at the University of Wyoming for several years. And now I'm in Virginia. This works. What did you study? I mean, obviously, you, I, I see what you got your degrees in, but what brought you to that that field of study? Yeah. So I had, um, I was what you would call a, a continuous college student. I was really trying to figure out when I was working on a bachelor's degree. So I had four different majors, each of the four first semesters of my college journey. And <laughs> finally figured out that I didn't want to be a business major. I didn't want to be a speech pathologist. I science wasn't going very well for me. Science and math aren't, weren't my strong suit, but I was really good at listening and talking to people. So I went into professional family services, which is similar to social work, very heavy in preventative care and prevention work. And when I finished that, I started working for a agency that works with victims and survivors of sexual assault, stalking, and um, intimate partner violence. And so through that, knew that I wanted to go into the realm of counseling. But I also started presenting to our, our college, to the University of Wyoming and our students, and realized that I, I really enjoyed working with college students. And found out that there was this career path of student affairs. And so I went into student affairs and college counseling and I work predominantly with fraternities and sororities. And I've been doing that for about 16 years um, since getting my master's degree. But that also started my journey with burnout and looking more into wellness and how we come back and recover from burnout because of my own experience with burnout. And then I use that for my dissertation research. That's amazing. That's a profound career, actually, that mm -hmm. you have been involved with. All of everything from the um, counseling and the sexual assault yeah. aspects. I was a part of a multi-agency task force with domestic violence. Special. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I was with that for about 
four years and that's all we worked on was domestic violence. Yeah. And it's it important both, work. Yeah. Hard was, work. Yeah. Very hard work. So I, I do, from that perspective, I can understand the burnout because it kind of, even dealing with that on a consistent basis, it just yeah. kind of dwells on you quite a it bit. It does. And, yeah. 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 Very hard, hard heart work is, is how I always thought of it. So what, help us understand what burnout actually means. Sure. So burnout for for those folks who may, I, I refer to it as, as feeling crispy. So it's really this feeling of feeling overwhelmed, feeling very emotionally drained. But when you get to the place of actual burnout, you also feel as though your work or activities are a burden, that they are unmanageable, that you, you know, you no longer find the joy in things that were joyful for you before. So it's really that sense of, you may have a sense of dread when you think about having to go to work because it feels like a burden, you've lost your passion for it. And so it's really important that we identify that when we're experiencing it so we can then start our path to recovery. Do you have to be a professional in working in order to have burnout? Absolutely not. I know, I know... Friends who are stay-at-home parents who experience burnout just as much. So it's really just an overwhelming feeling, I think, of that fatigue. And it comes into play when I think you have just the never-ending day or never-ending tasks or you know, the, the never ending chores or constantly running your children from this place to this place to this place. And it starts to feel a little monotonous and you haven't taken the time to give yourself a moment to recover through self-care. Yeah. So burnout can actually happen to anybody really, mm-hmm. not just you know, work people, fathers, mothers, brothers, Absolutely. Sisters, college students, high school students. Everyone. Is it related just so we can understand a little more in depth, is it related to or is it typically referred to as any type of mental illness? I think mental illness is is separate from burnout. I think burnout is more, I think of it more of, as an experience, whereas it's, it's not something that's going to be diagnosed within the DSM-5 now or anything to that effect. Although you may experience feelings of depression or anxiety within those pieces, but it's not, um, it's not something that's diagnosable as a mental health issue, but it does impact your mental health. How do you recognize burnout? Yeah. So you can recognize burnout by those feelings of, of fatigue, of, of feeling overwhelmed, of that really that sense of overbearing. So feeling as though in that loss of joy, you may also experience short tempered. So feeling short tempered or having, or being, um, feeling very emotional, in a situation. And so those are some of the things that have come up for me for burnout. That makes a lot of sense. How does that affect our lives? How do, I mean, in essence, is is it a a negative effect on our lives? It definitely can have a negative effect within your life, especially if are at that complete burnout space where you really just, you have a really hard time getting going in the day, or you feel like your day is a burden. It can be hard to get started or to just find enjoyment in what you're doing. That makes sense. Does that affect those around us. Absolutely affects those around us because we're different humans. I know when I was experiencing burnout, I look back at that and I actually refer to it as being the worst version of myself because I was I was an angry person and I was very short-tempered and I wasn't kind, um, especially to the people that cared about me. They 
team seemed to get the brunt of that because they were my safe space and my safe people. Right. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Mm-hmm. The aspect of burnout, is it? do you think it's prevalent within more of a professional environment? Or do you think it's prevalent in an ac- more in an academic environment or or a home environment? Is or is equal? I you know I'd say it's pretty equal. I think I think if we experience it a lot with work or with academics because that's often where we spend so much of our time, and so that is something that that impacts us. So it's really kind of based on where are we spending our time. Is that my dog barking? It's mine. I'm, do you mind if I check on her real quick? No, absolutely. I just want to make so, sure it wasn't Yeah, mine. no, I couldn't. I was like, I hope you can't hear her, but she is freaking out. Yeah, go ahead. And, and my partner isn't home, so. It's okay. Please do. <laughs> Sounds like a shepherd. She's a big chocolate lab. <laughs> I have two. Yeah, my daughter has a very large 75-pound lab mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amber's about 78 pounds, so she's a big girl. <laughs> big girl. Thank you. Yeah, I was about to chat you and say, if you can hear the dog, give me a second. I'll try and get her to calm down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she I, had to she very much had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I, I I understand. It's an open and honest conversation. It, it is a it is a human happening. Life. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. I won't yeah. she is a sweet girl. I won't apologize for her or try not no, to. <laughs> not even a need to, honest but she is loud I'm, when she wants attention. Uh, that's uh, that We have a Shih Tzu right now. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter had the older dog, the the lab, and then when she was well, living with us, between the two of them, and then my other daughter's got two Chihuahuas. So we've got the little bark, the high, little high-pitched bark, the medium bark, and then the really big and bark. And then the big bark. <laughs> yeah, so our backyard at times was... Like a chorus out it there. It was like a symphony of parking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was pretty, it was interesting. <laughs> and I may have asked you all this, so if I did, please forgive me. In recognizing burnout, uh, is it advisable if somebody else recognizes like their partner or their friend or their colleague suffering from some type of burnout um, side effects, it, you think it's advisable to kind of approach them or to um, engage with that? Yeah, you know, I think it's incredibly important that we're honest with our loved ones when we think that they're experiencing um, burnout or what I call burn events, because it's it's coming from a place of care, right? So that piece of, you know, I'm worried, maybe not even worried, but I care about you, and I can tell that you are you are in a different space, or you're experiencing the world differently, or you're reacting to me differently. So maybe you don't even realize what's going on, but let's talk about it. Let's talk about what you're experiencing and what you're feeling. And that can actually help in in the burnout recovery piece because you can, you then identify it. Once you have it identified, it's a lot easier to figure out, okay, so how do I come back from this space? What do I need to implement as far as my own wellness plan? Are there areas of you know, my own wellness that I haven't been paying as much attention to? And can I change that so that I'm back more to, you know, myself? That makes a lot of sense. What, um, what kind of effects does like a burnout have on, on your job, for example? I mean, is there something that obviously when you, you look, especially with the pandemic, yeah, I'm sure that there are thousands upon thousands of you know medical personnel and, and first responders that um, are uh, are suffering or have to be suffering from something like burnout because of the constant 
I mean, it's a barrage in the hours that they work in. What kind of what kind of steps would you take if you were involved in the middle of that that mm-hmm. can help somebody to kind of maybe step back for a minute and think about it? Because they may not know or understand they're in burnout. They just because you're in constant go yeah. mode. Yeah, yeah. So a couple of the things that that it burnout can do to impact your work or your or your workspace or your job is you, know, you can certainly experience a lack of productivity that that fatigue can cause and i think a lot of us are actually experiencing this kind of the brain fog or not being able to remember things or you know the question you know well did i do that or did i not or missing the details and those kinds of things so that fatigue that comes on with burnout can certainly impact uh, your ability to do your job the way you may have before. So it's important to to take a step back and address those things. So I like to use a lot of self-reflection with clients. So um, identifying what what things throughout their day. So taking, taking their day and then almost having them track their day. Like what are the moments that you find fatiguing or emotionally draining? Can you take some time after that meeting or those instances to, you know, to implement a quick grounding practice or a quick meditation or even just, you know, listening to some music that want that you want to dance to and you have a quick little dance party in your office, but some way of resetting after those moments once they've been identified. And that can help people then feel a little feel more productive once they've given themselves an opportunity to just check in. Uh, yeah, you I, I know that you approach things from a kind of a holistic naturopathic mm-hmm. type of type of way. So how do you think that um, or how do you feel meditation or yoga or something like that plays into this? Yeah, I think it's incredibly important. And especially if you can do it in short you know, short times throughout your entire day. So if you have a tough meeting, maybe taking five minutes to do some breathing exercises or a quick meditation or a quick gratitude practice, or even a couple of yoga poses that you can do in small spaces can be really helpful in just resetting your energy so that you're, you're able to continue with your day. That makes that's obviously great advice. And my listeners, they know that I practice meditation on a consistent basis that helps yeah. me to manage my pain. And um, from because I, I do have a, a disease, and mm-hmm. this disease is chronic pain. So I used meditation and mm-hmm. I used those moments out. And if I can interject with that, just to be sort of our new listeners and to refresh the memory of the listeners that are still current, yeah. you know, you, you can meditate for a minute. Absolutely. You know. Uh, you can uh, two minutes, three minutes, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it doesn't it doesn't have to be a long practice. One of one of my it's not necessarily a meditation, but a grounding practice that I use really often is the five four three two one method. And this is using all five of your senses and just kind of engaging in the space around you. So you take a moment, you take a deep breath, you name five things you can see, four things you can touch, three things you can hear, two things you can smell, and one thing that you can taste. And then take another deep breath. And it just grounds you into that that present moment. And if you're feeling any kind of anxious feelings or anything to that effect, it really does help in slowing your heart rate, kind of easing your breath. And I find it really, really helpful, especially in moments where I'm feeling more stressed. Yeah, that's actually brilliant. 
I know you've been working with burnout for almost 20 years. Did, did you have the effects of burnout in the beginning? Is it? Would it yeah. Yeah. I would say that the burnout research probably came in a little bit later um, in that in that research path in about 10 years. But I had been always been an avid wellness researcher and use of kind of areas of wellness. And that was always an important kind of practice for me. When I experienced burnout was a little a little later on in my career, and that's when I was like, okay, so even if you have what you think is like a great wellness plan, you can still experience burnout. So it's not necessarily something we can completely avoid. So how do you know how do we look at that differently? And that's what my research and my dissertation focused on was, all right, so you're experiencing burnout. How do we get back to a place where we feel more ourselves again? And that's the recovery process. Now, just out of, just for my own my own knowledge as well as the listener's knowledge, is there a typical standard protocol in the Western medicine philosophy for taking care of or managing burnout compared to the holistic approach that you take? I mean, do they recognize yeah, it? Yeah, that's it, a great I mean, question. I don't know that it's really recognized as as much. And I think it's starting, I think we're starting to come around to that. But I think, you know, it's often, if it's diagnosed, it's probably diagnosed as, as a mental, some, something within mental health or something to that effect. And that may not actually, you know, that may not be accurate. It may be accurate for the person. It may be depression and burnout. So, so I think it's important. But we are starting to come around, I think, you know, more corporations, more more companies, more employers are recognizing that it's it's not that their you know their employees aren't being productive. It's that that they're fried. They're they're just feeling way too crispy, and that's what's leading to a lack of production. Crispy, uh, crispy. I like that. <laughs> we had a very difficult time at the police department that I was working at mm -hmm. for a while, and due to certain things that were transpiring in the area. A, a large number of us were working 12-hour shifts like six days in mm -hmm. a row. They were wondering well, why the grumpy showed up and why the complaints against the officers for being rude increased. Yeah. And the the aspect that, you know, you'd find you'd find officers trying to take catnaps in mm -hmm. the police department as much as they could, you know, get away with because it was just compounded and compounded. I can look back on that now and think, that, well, that's that was probably part of the burnout because everybody Absolutely. was exhausted. Yeah, yeah, and you can't. You know, I find I find it very hard to be a caring human when I am either tired or hungry. So I very much, you know, I think <laughs> turn into a toddler. Yeah. <laughs> and in those moments, and if I don't get a snack yeah. or a nap, I'm not going to be kind to others. Well, I agree with that. Yes, I do. In fact. Um, Dr. Steiner, if you can write me a prescription for that, please, I would appreciate it. I will it. write you a prescription for snack and a nap. <laughs> snack and a nap. Thank you. <laughs> hey, just a quick note. I uh, just want to point out that we are changing days. Sorry for the short notice in regard to release. From now on, we're going to release on Wednesdays and on Fridays. So we're moving from Tuesdays and Thursdays to Wednesdays and Fridays. I'm sorry for the inconvenience, but um, circumstances warranted we do that. In addition, we are making updates and upgrades. We're evolving. You're going to find a new logo, new colors, and a new look with the same podcast. You will notice that in the next few weeks uh, when we put up the new logo and we put up the new artwork. 
It is still one more thing before you go. It is still Michael Hurst and some brilliant guest. Is burnout something that constantly has to be managed, do you think? I think it does. I think it has to be something that's ever present in your mind. And in, in what I mean by that is that you want to continuously kind of identify moments that bring you those feelings of overwhelm or fatigue or stress. And then you also want to think about your wellness in a pretty regular basis. So what does that look like day to day? Are you thinking about the different areas of wellness? You know, are you focusing on one area more than others? Do you, you know, what can you do to make that a little more even so that you're focusing in all of the areas pretty evenly in that piece? And that, that helps you just have that well-rounded aspect. And then you want to kind of continuously think about what your recovery plan looks like. And so that can be a day-to-day process. And so these are daily self-care rituals that you implement. And we all have them. We just may not identify them in this way. So most of us have a morning routine in a way that we get ready for our day. That can be a self-care practice, a recovery practice. A lot of us have a routine for getting ready for going to bed at night. That's also a self-care recovery practice. And so you can add additional things like a gratitude practice or journaling or some additional self-reflection to those times. I have a post-it note that's on my mirror and I, it's a It's a gratitude poem that talks about how I'm going to approach my day. And I read that while I brush my teeth every morning. And that just helps me kind of center in. And so the two minutes that I spend brushing my teeth, I also spend reading this gratitude poem. And that does help with my mindset in the morning. Yeah, that's outstanding. Realistically, when you look at, especially over this last year, the negativity in the Mm -hmm a turmoil that we've all been through over the last year in regard to the COVID pandemic and everything mm-hmm. associated with it. It Sometimes we we really have to learn to get back to grounding and yeah. understanding and compassion and remembering that we're all human beings and people have cabin fever. And, yes. Oh, you know, so much. As, as well. And it kind of, um, yeah, they need to take some time to kind of ground themselves. Mm-hmm. It really is very effective. So you developed... Tell me about the program that you developed. Yeah, so the the model that uh, the coaching is based on is it, it's anchored in self reflection. So that is a, a large part of that, and then it has it has three phases. So there's observation where we observe our burn events, how they impact us physically, mentally, how we show up. to others when we're experiencing those feelings. Also, how are we managing our just general wellness day-to-day? What does that look like? So that's all self-reflective, either self-reflective or talking about it with someone. Then there's a preparation phase. And so once you know some of the things that you can identify as this is going to be an instance where I'm going to feel some overwhelm or fatigue. So how do you prepare for that moment? If you can, if you can name it on your calendar, then you can prepare for it so that you're going into it in a more resilient way. Maybe it's meal prepping during a really busy week. Maybe it's thinking about how, you know, maybe you need to shift your times and how you move your body. Maybe it's making sure that you get sunlight each of of those days so that you can reset a little bit. But having that plan in place is really important. And then what does your general wellness practice look like? And so this is important to think about not only your day-to-day physical wellness, social wellness, spiritual wellness, your intellectual wellness, your emotional wellness, your financial wellness. What 
aspects are you looking at each and every day for for those? And again, it doesn't have to be super time consuming, but you want to at least think about each of those as you progress throughout a week. Preventative care is incredibly important for the preparation phase as well. And this is true for both our physical health as well as our mental health. So just the same way that you might see a physician or a doctor for an annual checkup, I think it's really important to see some kind of practitioner for your mental space as well. So whether that's a therapist or a counselor or a coach or a faith leader, someone that you can check in with maybe maybe a couple times a year to just kind of release and check in with that emotional well-being. And then there's the recovery phase. And this is where you take some time to identify what you need to recover from those feelings of overwhelm and stress. And there are a couple of things that I want every single human to implement. The first is the comfort list. So just how we comfort children when they're stressed and overwhelmed, it's important for us to comfort ourselves. And this is a list of things that bring you comfort or joy really quickly in the moment. So for example, some things that are on my comfort list are macaroni and cheese, my dog, uh, watching a Hallmark movie, a cozy sweater. So things that just bring me joy, uh, you know, sitting by a fire but they also bring me ease and I can implement them pretty quickly when I know that they bring me that sense of joy and um, stress relief. And then the other thing is having play in your life. We don't play as adults. We let that go somewhere along the way, thinking that we have to be serious all the time, but we also lose that creativity and a play is a huge stress reducer. So we want to have that in our lives. And I do that in a couple different ways. So um, a random dance party. I also sing to my pets. They're not good songs. I'm never getting a record deal, but they're fun and they're playful. And the dogs and the cat just kind of look at me like, okay, crazy lady, you feed us. So we're going to let you stay in the house. So those are some of the recovery pieces that you want to think about. Those are brilliant. Yeah, my my dog always looks at me like, what are you doing? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> really? She's like, really? You're singing again? Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's you know, it's, it, I think people have forgotten how to um, take a moment for themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and I agree with you. People forgot how to play. They forgot how to, how to have fun. Yeah. You know, the, the fact that we are human beings and we have jobs, or we've got school, or we've got uh, you know a, a husband, a wife, a, a boyfriend, a girlfriend. That's still kind of a job, so to speak, is you have to work at your relationship. So absolutely, you know that's a job. But they forget to kind of take a moment for themselves, think about it, relax. But gratitude is brilliant. People need to understand what they have and and where they're at in life, and and really be thankful for what they have. You know, I. From a personal perspective, I've got a lot to be grateful for, you know, based upon my journey that most everybody of my listeners in 59 mm-hmm. different countries really get a, a good feeling for is the fact that I, my journey, I am grateful for every person, place, animal that's all taken part of it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And it makes you feel good. It makes you feel good on the inside. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, um, it this program that you developed, it, your motivation, I'm sure, did it come from a personal perspective or from your research or both? 
You know, it it was initially driven by the personal's perspective. And then when the research came and and confirmed what what I was feeling and how I was managing and, and those kinds of things, I think it's been now really driven by both. And I remember after I defended my dissertation, my committee looked at me and said, you need to do something with this. Don't let this just sit on a shelf and gather dust. You can help people with this, you know, with this model. And, and we really want you, you know, to take ownership of that. And, and I did let it sit for a couple of years, I'll be honest. And then, you know, you know, this, this summer and, I had a little more time to reflect myself and realize that I wanted to come back to it and that it was important that I take it off the shelf and that I help people with it. So what made you become a coach? So I really took a look at the model and and realized that it would be really effective in working with people one-on-one and that I could really impact people's lives by supporting them through this journey. Yeah, and that... um... I think that, as you said earlier, actually, that you need to, if you're, if you're feeling in that position or you mm-hmm. find yourself in that position or find somebody that's you know, related to you in that position, that uh, communication is key yeah. and that they need to reach out. If they cannot feel overwhelmed or they feel that they cannot um, handle something themselves, then they need to seek out somebody that can help walk them through that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That perspective. Yeah. How long have you been a coach? That's actually been short term. It's been almost a year now that I've been doing the individual coaching, but I am trained as a counselor, both by my master's degree and um, my my PhD. And I would say that the work that I've done in higher education and working with students has very been very coach-like. So really, I guess Absolutely. it's been about 16, 17 years, if I'm honest with myself. <laughs> Absolutely. Life experience equals expert. Absolutely. 100%. Your life experience is something that's relatable to somebody. They can always look at that and say, yes, I've been there. I've done that. I understand because I went through it. And and that sometimes works better than reading a chapter in a book mm-hmm. and saying, well, number one, this, number two, this, number three, this. So the life experience is I understand because I, I was where you were. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So life experience, I think, is worth more than, I mean, I have a master's degree. I have a bachelor's degree. But life experience is worth more than those pieces of paper. Absolutely. Could not agree more. That hang on the wall. I'll, well, although monetarily wise, <laughs> <laughs> might reevaluate that just a little. Yeah. <laughs> do you think that um, diet, do you think diet has any any benefits? Uh, how you eat, what you eat in, in managing that? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I absolutely. I, I really do. So I think that that comes into kind of the physical wellness aspect. And it is important that we consider what we're putting into our bodies and how much water we're drinking, how much sleep we're getting, how we're moving our bodies for us to feel kind of our healthy, you know, healthy, happiest selves. I, I do think that it can be a bit individual and you need to find the eating program or, or, you know, your daily eating that is best for you. So I generally will work with folks to identify, okay, what's, what's going to be best for your own eating path as opposed to, you know, thinking about well, try this diet or try this diet. Um, because I think everyone, you know, just our bodies are different. And so we react to foods differently too. Yeah, I think that, and, and I'm sure, that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm mm-hmm. sure that suffering from this, you might stress eat. Absolutely. 
Yeah. You know, so you kind of have to be aware of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, so I mentioned the comfort list and one of my comfort list items is macaroni and cheese, but while it's a comfort food, it's one that I'm mindful of. And so I, I try to be, you know, a, more of a mindful eater when I have it. So I don't overconsume it. Well, and I think, and th- I think that it can also happen on the other end, mm-hmm. um, not eating, not because eating you're as so well. stressed out or yep. so full of anxiety that because mm-hmm. of the situation and not recognizing it, that yeah. you just stop eating. So I think you, yeah. have, you have to be aware of that, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've definitely worked, I've had some colleagues that I've worked with and I'm, you know, checking them with them at the end of the day. And they're like, yeah, I just realized I didn't eat today. And I was like, okay, well tomorrow I and kind of midday, I'm going to check in with you and say, have you eaten today? <laughs> that's that, Yeah. That's a positive thing. Yeah. How can we optimize our total health, combine our physical uh, mind, body, soul? How can you pull all that together for physical health and, and mental health? Yeah. I, you know, I like to utilize things that are going to, activities that are going to impact multiple areas of wellness all at once. So if you have the opportunity to move your body and do that with, while you're socializing with other humans a little bit, and you can get into nature with that space. So if you can go on, you know, a group walk or a group hike or something to that effect, that actually brings in several areas of wellness that you are hitting all at once. And so I like to look at it almost as a time saver, but you're getting a great impact out of that. So anytime that you can combine uh, your social wellness with your physical wellness tasks, with your spiritual wellness tasks, I say um, you want to take advantage of those moments. Do you think there's any steps that you can recommend? What would somebody have to be aware of to recognize that they're actually in burnout mode? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. I think you have to almost give yourself a moment to look back at how you've been feeling and experiencing life or work over, you know, over the last week, over the last month, over the last few months, even the last year and ask yourself, have, have I been feeling, you know, more fatigued at the end of the day than I had before? Have I been feeling more overwhelmed with tasks? Have I ever felt that this, you know, work was unmanageable? Have I ever felt as though it was a burden to me? And, you know, consider how many times within whatever time frame you're looking at, you felt those things and then ask, is that impacting your day to day? And from that point, what step would they take? And at that point, you need to you need to give yourself some time um, to to recover, and that it can be it can start really small. You can start with, okay, after after every meeting, I'm going to give myself five minutes, and I'm going to either do a body scan, a meditation, a yoga pose, or I'm going to walk outside. So giving yourself some options to do that, but taking, giving yourself the permission to take at least a couple of breaks throughout the day to focus on your own care. And I know that you're writing, or you have written a book. Can you tell me about that? 
Sure. So the book is on, it's on pre-order right now. So I'm finished, I'm actually finishing it up, but it is based on, on the model that I talked about. So it will, um, really talk about how more so how to identify those crispy feelings, how to dig into that observation piece to identify burn events, to identify burnout, to identify your wellness practices, really clearly on how to prepare for all of these things, both before they happen, while they're happening, and then the recovery process and what you can do to get back to your joyful self. I think it's a very unique opportunity for people to kind of get get back to themselves and ground mm -hmm. themselves. When can we expect that to come out? My hope is in the next 90 days. So that's my goal. That's an excellent goal. Yeah. Tell me about your practice and your business and how somebody can get a hold of you. Yeah. So we, I am available on it's liftwellnessconsulting.com. And we have uh, several different coaching opportunities and, and practices. I will also be hosting a burnout recovery jumpstart in the beginning, the first week of May. And this will be hosted through Facebook and a private Facebook group. And I will be coming um, to everyone live each and every day to do a lesson, about an hour long lesson in the process so that they can start their recovery process. And the link to register for that will go up in about a week. Outstanding. This is one more thing before you go. Mm -hmm. So is there anything that you have any words of wisdom that you'd like to share before we end our discussion? So one of the things that I pretty recently have been on a journey about is just stepping more into my own spotlight. I was very much a person who was in, in behind the scenes and thought that I was a I was in the behind the scenes and then, you know, standing back there going, how come no one is talking to me? How come no one is recognizing me? How come no one is asking me to help them? And realized that I hadn't stepped into my own spotlight. So I think it's incredibly important for us to stop saying no before we give people the opportunity to say yes. Have a voice. That's an amazing, profound words of wisdom. Kate, thank you very much for spending this time with me. I really appreciate what you do for people. I think that it's a benefit and it's a unique opportunity to kind of ground yourself and to ensure that your health and your wellness and your mental wellness continue to improve. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I will put links to your website and how to get in touch with you, as well as information on your book in the show notes and on my website, beforeyougopodcast.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. That's beforeyougopodcast.com. Tell your story, share your expertise, contribute to the blog, and subscribe to the newsletter. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform. And one more thing before you go. Have a nice day, have a nice week, and thanks for listening. One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life podcast, is a creation of One More Thing Productions, established 2010, all rights reserved.